So the first advantage is that introverts are exceptional listeners because they spend more time saying nothing than extroverts do. They're able to tailor the message better to the guests, their audience, and the people they're speaking with. Welcome to the Podcasting University. Looking for help on starting your own podcast? Then this is the place to be. We will help you with everything from selecting your topic to promoting and monetizing your podcast in the simplest language possible. Listen to other podcasters who've been through the grind and learn from them as we interview them every week. You can find more details on thepodcastinguniversity.com. Hello, this is Dilip and welcome to episode 54 of The Podcasting University. Okay, so today's episode is slightly different from the usual. So is the guest on the show today. He is the founder of Master Talk. He is an excellent communicator and coaches ambitious executives and entrepreneurs to become effective communicators. His YouTube channel called Master Talk is a repository of some unique, practical and excellent advice and tips on public speaking and effectively communicating with people. And you're sure to find a lot of golden nuggets in this very popular YouTube channel. So don't forget to visit Master Talk on YouTube and listen to some of his extremely good and informative videos there. Today, he is going to help us with tips on being effective communicators in podcasting. So let us welcome Brendan Kumaraswamy to the Podcasting University. Thanks, Dilip. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure talking to you. You know, I'm sure there is a lot that uh, I and the audience are going to learn from you in today's episode. So uh, without wasting another minute, I think we should straight away get started with the conversation. And first, what I would like to know, Brendan, is, you know, I've watched a lot of your videos uh, on your YouTube channel. But what I would like to first know is, a little more about you. How did you get into this, uh, you know, public speak, speaking, you know, support, help uh, space and what your YouTube channel is all about? Yeah, absolutely. It's great to be here. So what happened was when I was in university, I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were playing cricket or basketball or football, I wasn't like that. So I actually did presentations competitively, and that's how I learned how to speak to them. And then as I got older, what happened is I started coaching a lot of students who were younger than me, mostly for free back then, because they wanted to do good at these competitions too. But we also didn't have a coach, so I just said, oh, okay, I guess I might as well help them. And then when I graduated from university, I had the idea for Master Talk because I realized that everything that I was teaching the students wasn't available for free on the internet. So I started making videos on public speaking communication. And then a few years later, here we are today. Oh, great. Nice. And, you know, before we get into the, the real uh, discussion around podcasts, one question that I had. So now that you've, you've been into the space for quite some time, when it comes to public speaking, what have you found to be the biggest challenge that most people who want to get into the public speaking space face? Yeah, I would say for me, Dilip, the biggest challenge that most people face in this field is that they don't spend enough time on three specific things. 
So one is motivation, the second one is direction, and the third one is technique. So let's cover each one shortly. So motivation. The first question we need to ask ourselves is how would our lives change if we were exceptional communicators? The biggest problem, Dilip, is when we think about communication, we don't give ourselves a motivation to do it. And if we're not motivated to do something, if we don't have something we really want, we have a burning desire for, it becomes a lot harder for us to actually go to that goal. So really spend some time thinking about this. Like for you, Mastering communication is very important because you want to grow the podcast. You want to impact more lives. So finding that motivation is the biggest challenge I see. The second one is direction, having specific goals. We have goals for our health. We have goals for our finances, our relationships. But many of us don't have goals for our communication. So spending some time thinking about okay, what is this communication going to do for me? Is it to get an X promotion at work? Is it to increase my download count on my podcast? Being specific. And then the last piece is technique. Using the right tactics, doing the right exercises to get you to the level you want to be. Right. Right. So, you know, when it comes to motivation, Brendan, so I see that why people get into, for I'll take the example of podcasting. Now, when you see something like podcasting, which is kind of the curve is going up, there is a lot of uh, things that are happening in the podcasting world. And people just want to get into it because they think that they'll also get a small portion of the pie and they'll be able to do it big. That is the only motivation with which people get started. They don't really have a, a goal or uh, an objective that they might be chasing. But over a period of time, after they may, might have released about 10 to 15 episodes, they realize that, okay, now I'm getting some listens. Uh, I, I'm getting some downloads. I need to look at some of the other things in terms of what is it that I, I'll be able to get out of this podcast. And that's where they start thinking about setting goals or uh, you know setting objectives. So do you really think that following a direction or putting together a direction is something that you should do before you even get started or in between once once you've uh, started off once you've started seeing some success is it okay to go about changing uh, replanning everything and putting together a goal and an objective that's a great point dilip i i think for me as i think about it there's but you could do it both ways but what i would say is if you don't come up with those goals you'll eventually stop producing content so i'll give you an example i mean you know this since you're this you're the a podcast university champion most podcasts fade right they don't they don't go past 10 episodes so why is that and that's true not just with podcasts that's true with blogs that's true with youtube channels and i think for me the reason i've been so consistent because i've been doing it for three years now and i haven't missed a week it wasn't an accident that i've been able to create content for long term because i think the problem with most content creators and i'm not saying it's wrong to just get started i think that's a great step because momentum is important. But I also think what's important is thinking about our personal brand in decades rather than days. So if we're trying to do something because it's hot, we won't be successful. But if we focus on the long game, that's when we get the results. Like for me, my YouTube channel, it took two and a half years for me to get to 10,000 subscribers which is super long. But because I had such a mission for what I was doing, I didn't give up. 
right so that that goal is what keeps you driving and that that drives you to you know continue consistently produce content right absolutely right great great point so coming to one critical aspect that podcasters face uh, brenda and i think uh, this is where you might be able to help uh, with 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 some of the you know tips uh, in in terms of approaching people now the objective of people who get started with a podcast and specifically an interview podcast is to bring it because that's one of the methods of promotion that podcasters use what they do is they reach out to some of these high profile well known guests and they want them to come on the show and once they have been interviewed they are expecting that these people go back and share the episode with their audience and that way these podcasters will get some promotion some downloads listens and some audiences now what happens is in most of most of the cases either the the guest just doesn't respond to our uh, request to come on the interview or even if they come on the interview a lot of times they just forget after that and they don't even go about sharing the the episode so what do you think are some things that we can do one in order to get a positive response from these high profile guests because you know these these negative responses from them at times become so demotivating that people often quit so what are some things that we can do to get positive responses from them and second how do we go about making them support the promotion of the podcast Mm, great question, Dilip. So let's go to both parts. So I'd say the first part is how do you get great guests on your show? You know, resilience is a big piece to this. You know what I always like to say, this is a strategy I give people, is whenever you start an interview podcast, make a list of your 100 dream guests. Like if you could have anyone in the world, 100 people, who would you have? And I pretty much guarantee if you message all 100 of those people, you might get 99 no's, but one of them will eventually say yes. It works almost all the time. So what I would love for us to focus on, Dilub, is it's not about the no's, it's about the yes. Because let's face it, at the end of the day, and maybe a lot of podcasters don't know this, the podcast host actually has a lot more leverage than the podcast guest. And the reason is because, as you know, and I'm sure you say this a lot, because a lot of guests like me are always looking to guest on shows, we're always pitching different shows, even if the brand is already established. So I would start with, if I'm a newcomer, I would focus on other podcasts of my own size and look at their guest list. So let's say, for example, I'm starting a podcast and I'm friends with you, Dylan. So what I'll do is I'll look through all of your guests that are really, really good. And I'll pick one or two and I'll come up to you and I'll say, hey, Dilip, can you introduce me to those two people that you had on your show? So that's the easiest way to do that. The other part to your question, that's an easy trip that people can take, is how do you get people to promote? So let me start the easiest thing. Do a good job interviewing them. Like for me, I try my best to promote as many shows, but the best guests usually are guesting on 20 shows a week. So they're only promoting three or four of them. So if you want to be in that three to four, those are the nice people, right? The nice people who are promoting. 
And if you want to make it into that category, you need to do such a good job interviewing that guest where they feel like this is such a special episode that they have to share it with their community. That's one strategy to think about. Like, for example, for me, there's one interview that somebody did with me that I've shared to all of my clients. Like, I literally have shared it hundreds and hundreds of times because it was so much better than every other interview I did. That's one part. The other part to promotion that I think is important is this is where the community needs to come together. You, all the podcasters who are in the same city, in the same region, should have inside discussions about which guests are sharing their content and which ones aren't. So that way you know who to have on your show and who not to. So that's a strategy people can take home. Right. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. Right. There are, because there are some guests who might... Uh, use the leverage to promote their brand, but then they don't want to support the brand by promoting. You're right. That's a good approach uh, of discussing that within the community. So coming to another very critical piece, Brendan. Now, you know, I've spoken to a lot of these podcasters who want to get started in my, there's a free discovery call that I run. So a lot of these podcasters, people approach me and we talk and what I found, and in fact, some of the in- podcasters I've interviewed as well, all of them, most of them are introverts. And it probably is also evident from the fact that they have chosen to pick podcasting as a medium to talk because, you know, you don't have to show your face. You're not in front of an audience. You're not seeing anybody. And I've seen that a lot of these people are introverts. They aren't otherwise good at conversations. They would try to avoid conversations. But when it comes to podcasting, they feel that this is a medium that they can get into and they get started with podcasting. But in those conversations, you somehow sense that they aren't able to kind of make an engaging conversation or are able to control that conversation. So what do you suggest to some of these introverts who started with podcasting as to what are some of these points that they can keep in mind in order to make those conversations sound natural and more engaging? That's a very sharp observation, Dilip. You're absolutely correct, actually. This surprised me as well, that a lot of the people in the podcasting states are introverts, and you explained so well why that is, and I completely agree. So a couple of thoughts there. I would say the first thing is to understand that introverts have a lot of strengths in their communication that they're not aware of. So let me point that out, because I feel it's not really well known. So the first advantage is that introverts are exceptional listeners. Because they spend more time saying nothing than than extroverts do, they're able to tailor the message better to the guests, their audience, and the people they're speaking with. The second key advantage that introverts have over extroverted guests, like me as an example or host, is that introverts are very good at pausing. So whenever they're in an event or talking to someone, since they're spending more time on average saying nothing, they're able to pause and take a beat a lot better than I can because I'm always trying to fill up space. I always want to talk, talk, talk. That's why I'm the guest, I guess. <laughs> and the third key advantage, and this one is really not well known, is that introverts are a lot less polarizing than extroverts. So polarizing just means extreme. So I'll give you an example here. If you take somebody like Gary Vaynerchuk, you either love the guy or you hate the guy. I personally love him. I love his work. I respect the guy. But a lot of people, they don't. So what happens is when you're an extroverted communicator, you actually become very polarizing for people. So you either like people or people don't like you. 
But an introvert never has that problem. Nobody says, I hate Brene Brown. Nobody says, I hate Susan Cain. I hate Simon Sinek. Nobody says that. In fact, just saying that could put me in jail. But I think the point I want to drive is that there's a lot of key advantages that introverts have over extroverts. That's one piece. The other piece that you asked about is how can introverts improve conversation flow with guests on an interview? So here's the best way I've found where it's just practical, easy, and effective. Start by interviewing people you already like. Start by interviewing your friends. Even if it won't count for downloads, these are the people you should be practiced with. Because it's a lot easier for you to practice being conversational with people you know versus people you don't know. Because for, even for me, when I started guesting on podcast, Dilip, I mean, probably was it three years ago? My God, it was so weird. Like I would get on the show, somebody stalked every part of my profile and asked me questions. And I'm just like, why is this stranger I don't know no more about me than my mother does? This is so bizarre, right? It's, it was so <laughs> weird. But then after doing this a lot, I got used to it. So now I'm speaking to as if we've been friends for seven years, but we don't start that way. We start with people we know and we build our way up and we're confidence up to. Right. Oh, that's right. Good point. Yeah. And your observation about uh, introverts uh, really talks to me because I have seen those three aspects that you just spoke about introverts on people that I've spoken with. And yeah, those are some positives that we actually overlook. So yes, these are some things that we can look at. And uh, Brendan, you know, as a continuation of this question, uh, there is another thing that I, I wanted. And you know, when podcasters get started, just because it's a little difficult to get guests on their show in the beginning itself. What they usually do is they start off with monologues. And these days, you know, it's a good format to run a podcast because you have control over what is it that you're producing in terms of content. So people start with monologues. But when it comes to monologue, again, uh, I would want a script, a completely written script in front of me because otherwise I tend to lose my flow and you know there is a lot of filler words that that comes in between so when i am using a script and recording a monologue a lot of time it is very my ears can recognize the fact that somebody is reading from a script irrespective of how much ever they try to make it sound natural but how do we make monologues sound natural and interesting yeah fascinating question yeah and as you know I, all I do is monologue, so I'm happy to take this one. So so the way that I think about this, Dilla, is I actually write my videos word for word. So all of my videos are scripted on YouTube, but there's one exception. And the exception is this. I do not use a teleprompter. So I don't read it. So what does that mean? That means I write it out. There's a laptop next to me. And what I do is I look at, there's five paragraphs in every script on my YouTube channel. So I look at the first paragraph and then I look at the camera and I just present the general idea. And then I go back to the script. I look at, I read the second paragraph and then I go back to the camera and I present it on and on and on again. So the trick here is you, re, you write it out so you have the general idea of what you want to say. But then when you actually communicate those thoughts on the podcast, I would encourage you not to read the script unless you're an absolute beginner. So if you're like under 10 episodes, go ahead and read off the script. It's totally fine because you're just getting started. But then as you build up your confidence, you're doing 15, 20, 25 episodes, then I would encourage you to still write it out. 
but this time uh, not look at it while you're actually doing the recording or pause every two minutes, but during the actual speaking, don't read off the script. Right. Okay. So that's, that's a good point. And, you know, something that I've seen, uh, Brendan, when it comes to monologues, like, for example, you know, when I attend some of these public speaking people who are motivational speakers, what I've observed, and this is something that I've seen in your videos as well. So that conversational style, it sounds so natural. And, you know, you actually engage with that person. You just look at them and then you feel that you are in that conversation, though you are not. But you start to connect with that person and listen to every word that he is saying, which in podcasting can be a little difficult because you are behind that screen where nobody is able to see you, but you still want people to engage with you. So what are some tips, you know, maybe public speaking tips that you would like to share, which can help me get more out of every episode that I put out, every monologue that I put out? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say the easiest thing, Dilip, that most content creators don't do, and it has very little to do with public speaking, but more in terms of strategy, is people should have dinner with the people who watch their content. Like when you have, and when I mean dinner, I mean actual dinner. Go meet them in person, get to know them, have a conversation with them, do a small meetup. And the meetup doesn't need 20 people, you just need two or three. Have those in-person conversations with the people that you're serving. The reason why my YouTube channel sounds conversational isn't an accident. It's because when I started the channel, I would have dinner with most people who subscribe to my YouTube stuff and get their insights. And the other piece as well is when I record in the studio, I'm never presenting alone. There's actually a guy behind the camera, so I'm always presenting to an audience of one or two people. So I feel like I'm talking to somebody. So even for somebody like me who's an expert in communication, I still want that audience in the back. It's just people don't see the audience on the on the channel. So that's the pieces I would focus on is really don't just know who your listeners are, talk to them. And the best way to do this is at the end of a monologue episode, you could say something like, hey guys, I'm looking to get on a Zoom call or get a lunch with some of my viewers. Can you just send me a message on Instagram? Here's my handle. And then one or two people will message you and you'll be on your way. Yeah, right. So that actually will kickstart the engagement that isn't there in podcasting today because you know, all said and done, podcasting is a one-way communication because you just deliver and then you're hoping that people might listen to it. But I think this technique of yours will help in terms of engaging with my audience and helping in creating, uh, getting ideas for newer content. Absolutely, Dilip. Like, here's another way of thinking about this. Too many people focus too much on followers or downloads, and they don't focus enough on conversations. The reason why I got a thousand subscribers in only two months of starting my YouTube channel was because I knew 2,000 people that would help me promote the channel, like personally. So I would meet them one-on-one -on -one and I would tell them the vision. I'd tell them what I was doing. And they said, absolutely, Brendan, I want to help you with this. So even if a lot of us are introverts right now, 
think about the people in your network that are already friends of yours and have more of those conversations. Because if your podcast is getting a thousand downloads per episode or more, you're already growing your show very quickly. You're already bigger than most shows out there at a thousand downloads an episode, but you only need a thousand conversations to get the, that those types of download counts. Right. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, out of curiosity and like, like what I said, because, you know, I've been listening to uh, checking out your YouTube channel for some time now. And I found that the kind of content that you create is actually something that talks to me as in every episode has something that is uh, completely different from what some of the earlier episodes would have done. But still, it addresses something that uh, that that's a problem area for me or something that I'm looking for information about. So how do you manage to create this, this kind of varied type of content? Where do you get the ideas from? Absolutely. Excellent question, brother. So the key here is, and I'll repeat this twice, do not guess. Do not guess what your audience wants. I'll tell you exactly what I do with my YouTube channel. So it goes back to what I was saying with personal brand. We want to think in decades, not days. So I knew I was going to do YouTube for the next 10 years. So what I did is I just did the math. Every year has 52 weeks. And if I do this for 10 years, I just need 520 videos. So if I have 500 videos-ish, I'm good for a decade. I'll win on YouTube. So now the question becomes, what should I write down in each of those 500 scripts? So here's what I did. I gathered my first 25 subscribers and I met them individually. And I said, give me ideas. What do you think is missing? What questions do you have around communication? So every time a client, a student, a subscriber, or even a podcast like this asks me a question that I don't know the answer to, I create a YouTube script around it. So I remember two months into Master Talk, somebody asked me a brilliant question. He said, How do you present in a second language? And I said, Oh, I don't think a YouTube video exists on that. Let me create one because I speak three languages. I speak English, French, and Tamil. So I was like, okay, let me make it. So I made that video, and I think I'm the only YouTuber who's made a video like that. So the way that I generate ideas, Dilip, is a couple of things. One, and as I'm always listening to the audience, I'm always paying attention to the questions they have for me. And two, which is more unique to me and I don't necessarily recommend, is I actually write out my content years in advance. That's why my, my YouTube videos are so unique. I'm actually already done my, my, the year of 2023. I'm working on 2024 right now. And the reason I'm so ahead and why I take it so seriously is because I want my content to stay fresh. So now that I'm like 18 months ahead of my content schedule, I don't have to be worried about the next week. I can focus on only creating content that is unique for 2024. So I'm not stressed about making the next deadline because I only post once a week on my channel. Right, right. Yeah, planning, content planning is something that I've seen with my experience in, in blogging as well. It really helps and it really helps get that stress out. So, and there are a lot of other advantages as well. And like what you said, yes, uh, you know, you always have that content repository so that you are not worried about what to create next. Now, Brendan, so uh, coming back to, you know, our core conversation in podcasting, something that a lot of times the guests that we approach to uh, aren't people that we are friendly with or they are, they are people that we might be 
talking to for the first time and when these guests agree to come on the interview and when when they are when they are there on the interview i want to start off with my questions but there is that i don't know how to kick start that conversation in a way that it looks like i am talking to somebody that i know really well so that initial i think 5 to 7 minutes it is very apparent that the interviewer isn't really friendly or doesn't really know about that guest so how do you suggest that we break the ice and and make that initial part of the conversation look natural and how do you kick start that conversation with a guest ah uh, super good question so the way i think about this is everyone has their own opinions there's a lot of versions that work so pick the one that you like but i'll give you a couple so the first way to do this is to write a killer introduction of a guest so for example a lot of people what they do is they record their intros and outros separately outside of the episode but what Tom Billyu does from Impact Theory is he actually does his introduction in front of the guest as the interview starts so the the person who's coming on the show goes like oh my god like this guy knows me better than my mom does like holy moly so that's one version of doing that it instantly builds rapport because it shows the guest that this person is packing question these packing heat or she's packing heat and this interview is going to be the best i got to bring my a game to it that's the first version that you can do this the second version is asking level 3 questions so i'll give an example of this so there's one way so a lot of like average podcasters they might say you're actually really good at this but let me say let me give an example of someone who isn't they might say something like yeah so brandon uh how do we speak more clearly Okay, not a very good question. It's a very general. It's not a lot of context. I don't know if that person did the homework, so I'm not really excited to answer that. The second type of question is more what you're asking, which is very good. So you're giving the context to the why you're asking the question in the context of your audience, and then you're asking the specific question that's very thoughtful and thorough. So you've done your homework. And then level three is when every time you're asking a question, let's say every two or three questions, you're finding a way to indirectly acknowledge the guest of the work they're doing. I'll give you an example of some an, an interview that I did this morning with somebody. So somebody just one of the questions was, "Hey, Brenda, I really like your three lessons video, especially the one on the train rides. Where do you come up with all of these ideas?" So that was a great question because it clearly showed me as the guest that that person. watched a lot of those three lesson videos. So how can you indirectly compliment the guest with the questions you're asking with is another easy way to build rapport. And the third way is acknowledgement. So when Lewis Howes interviewed Kobe Bryant when he was alive, he did a really good job acknowledging Kobe because he only had 2 minutes before the podcast started. It's actually a really good episode. I'll send it to you after. And what Lewis said was he just looked at Kobe Bryant and he said, "Hey Kobe, before we get started, he just met him. He never knew him before. I just want to acknowledge you for the impact that you're creating in the world. You know, my friends who are on the US handball team in the Olympics, they always see you celebrating other sports, not just basketball, and it really means a lot to me the way that you give impact to people. So Kobe just looked at him and said, "Wow, thanks brother. I really appreciate it." And he immediately built rapport. So these are three easy ways for you to build rapport with your guests instantly. Right. 
Good point. Yeah. And uh, I think there is something, one of those pieces that I can work on. And having said that, I think some of the other pieces are things that we usually do unknowingly when we are talking to our friends and our relatives, people that we know. But when it comes to an unknown stranger who is coming on uh, the show as a guest, we tend to kind of ignore. Yeah. So, I think if we are to use our natural instincts from a conversation perspective, these things will come naturally. So, <laughs> good, nice points. And, and let's put it this way, Dilip. Let's make it simple, right? It, it should be easy. I'm going to argue something controversial. It should be easy for the podcast host to build a relationship with the guest. Why is that? The reason is because... If you're making a decision to interview this person, it means you're excited about something. Because if you weren't excited about interviewing this person, if you didn't want to be their friend, then why in the world are they on your show? Why in the world are we interviewing them? So there has to be something that you really respect about that individual. So bringing that up up front just makes the job that you're already doing because you're already excited about that person just a lot easier. It's just not about, I think the problem is just we're doing the homework, we're excited about the guest, but we're not communicating that excitement to the guest before, during, and after the show is over. And all three of that is important. Before is important. Hey, Brendan, just want to say how excited I am to interview you. You have such great impact. Thank you so much for agreeing to this episode. During, wow, Brendan, it's great to see you. Thanks for taking the time to be here. And after, wow, Brendan, what a great episode. Or you could use a different name, not Brendan, John, whatever, right? So showcase the excitement, the preparation you've already done for the guest, but communicate that to the guest. So the guest knows how much homework you've done indirectly. Right. Yeah. So that makes them, that brings them more into the episode, into the conversation. And I think we can get the best out of the guests in that way. Yeah. True. And, uh, you know, Brendan, a lot of times I've seen that there are some of these guests who are exceptionally good in what they are doing. But when they come on a podcast, they agree to come on the podcast, they come as a guest, but they don't talk a lot. And you know, some of these questions that you ask, the answers are pretty short and you actually aren't able to extract something of value out of that response. So how do you get these guests to talk more and give out more information? <laughs> if I'm being honest, Dilip, there's a couple of different ways you can go about this question, right? So one is like, I can give you this whole lecture about asking more detailed questions, level three questions, or you said this specifically, what does this mean? But I think the easier uh, treatment here is you need to spend some time listening to the, that person on another a podcast to see if they're delivering the value you want them to. Because remember, we have to remember as podcast hosts, we hold the power. For every amazing expert that we can have on the show, there's 10 other people who can talk about the exact same thing. Think about the way that you vetted me for your show. I, I had to send you a podcast episode of me being interviewed by another guest, uh, sorry, another host. And then you listen to that and you're like, oh, wow. The Brendan's really detailed about the way that you share his answers when being asked questions. 
so let me have them on. So so it's it's what you did, but everyone should do that as well. Because as as the guest, I respect that. Because for me, it's important to make sure that if I'm going on somebody's platform, regardless of the size of the platform, that I'm always hitting a home run. So it's important for us as hosts, especially if we're only posting once a week, twice a week. We don't have a lot of spots here. So we need to spend the time to audit people for 15 minutes just to see what they sound like on a podcast before having them on. Right, yeah. So that's about bringing the right guests on the show, right? Absolutely. Right. And out of curiosity, you spoke about this level three questions in in the last two responses. So what I also wanted to know from you, Brendan, is what is this level one, level two, and level three type of questions? Absolutely. Thanks for the follow-up there. So a level one question, Dilip, is a question that anyone can ask that isn't super interesting or unique. So a question like, Oh, like, uh, how do you speak more clearly? What's the best advice you have for your younger self? Kind of the typical <laughs> couple cool questions. So that's a level one question. People, honestly, people guessed a lot on shows. If, if you get asked level one questions, their brain immediately just turns off. They're like, oh, it's one of these shows and they just go through it. So level two is unique questions, but that anyone can answer. So for example, what's the biggest misconception about your industry? If you had to give one piece of advice to the most successful person in your industry, what piece of advice would you give them? So it's interesting questions. They're unique, but everyone can answer them. But level three questions are questions that only that one person can have the answer to it. Where you've done so much homework on that person, where you're super detailed about the question you're asking. Let me give you an example of a level three question. So let's say we're sitting next to Gary Vaynerchuk. My question for Gary Vaynerchuk would be, out of the $4 billion that you need to spend on the New York Jets, which is the NFL franchise he wants to buy, it's like a football franchise, what percentage of that franchise do you think is going to come from Friends? versus VaynerMedia versus buying up underpriced brands and exiting them at higher multiples. So notice how most people didn't understand the question I asked. They probably were like, what are you talking about, Brendan? But to Gary, he's going to listen to that question and go, wow, no other human being has asked me that question. Let me answer that question for 15 minutes and I want to know who you are. And that's exactly the point of a level three question. A question that is so specific that only that person can answer it or in some cases even understand it. Right. And that I think will come with researching well about the guest that you are interviewing, right? Correct. Right. Good. Great point. That is, that's an amazing point. I think that's something that every one of us podcasters can use in our show because that will get our guests talking more about their expertise and uh, some unique value to every one of those podcasts where that interview is coming, uh, that, that guest is coming in. Yeah, so that's nice. Right. So, Brendan, now, considering you're also a content creator, now you, you're an expert in public speaking, and you're also a content creator who's been creating content for, you know, three plus years and excellent content for three plus years. So if I if I just ask you from your content creation experience, for somebody who's just starting off with a podcast, what do you think are one or two things that they need to be really sure about before they actually get started with their podcast and if they they have to stay there in the long run like 
you know, you have content for two more years, which means you're anyways going to be creating content for the next five years and maybe after that as well. But that long longevity or that long term perspective is something that is not there in, in a lot of podcasters. So how how do you build that when you're getting started? What are one or two things that people need to keep in mind? Absolutely, brother. And thanks for the kind words as well. You know, the way that I would see this is the number one detractor for any content creator is is always consistency. Like almost always it's consistency. Even if someone's really talented, if you post for two years and you just stop forever, like you're done. Like you can't keep growing your following, you can't keep growing your audience because the people who are listening to you will just go to somebody else. So consistency is the biggest problem we always want to solve for. This is why I'm a big believer of being a long-term thinker. And I'm also a big believer, which is my second piece of advice, that consistency matters, but quality matters too. So when you get started, don't worry too much about the quality. There's a law that Noah Kagan calls the law of 100. So make 100 of something and don't worry about the quality. So the first year of my YouTube channel, I just made a video every week whatever. I was in my mother's basement. I took out a phone. I I recorded. I didn't edit it. I just posted it. That's it. But after you do 25, 50, 60 pieces of content, then after you want to focus on quality. Like I would rather listen to a show that's once a week, but that's absolute gold versus three times a week. And that's okay. So always think about how can you be exceptional in your industry. And obviously, there's counterexamples to what I'm saying. Like, let's take John Lee Dumas' Entrepreneurs on Fire, which is a daily entrepreneurship podcast. The thing we have to keep in mind with JLD, in his case, is even if he is every day, and I don't think he can keep up the same quality every day, I doubt it. Because he was so early to podcasting, it worked for him. But I think for most people quality it just matters more that's why on on master talk i only post once a week but every time i post i gotta make sure it's a home run so that my my youtube following and uh, my audience keeps growing with me and keeps tuning in every week so that's the way i would think about it i would think about it as consistency and the law of 100 and making sure that as you post more content and you see yourself doing this for the long term that you're re-changing your focus from quantity to quality and having that one platform where your best content is housed. Right. So on that point, Brendan, I think, you know, I've spoken to people who have two different, the varying thoughts on this. Now, like what you said, a lot of us, because all of this is quantity. And when it comes to YouTube as well, the more you post on YouTube, the more the probability of your videos showing up on those search results and the more the possibility of somebody subscribing to your show. So you have to have good amount of videos out there. And that means that you cannot always be focusing on exceptional quality, especially when you're getting started. So that's something that is natural to a lot of the content creators. But then there is a second school of thought where people say that irrespective of you know, what you are delivering, the the quality of what you are putting out there is what is going to define you as a content creator and as a brand. So you need to ensure that you are putting quality content out there as in quality production, that the production value has to be top quality. So there are these two different school of thought. And a lot of times people are confused between these two. As in, what is the right mixture of this? When we say that we just need to put out content out there, 
how much of a quality should i be focusing on even when i'm doing that yeah man i mean you're you're absolutely right i mean people have said both and they've both been right like you have people like alex hormozy who you know literally makes videos in like a in a in a room with no windows and he has 300,000 subscribers on youtube and then you have another person who has super high value production and has 2.2 million and you have other people who do the opposite and have less of a following so so yes it's it's confusing so here here's what i would say i would say there's different phases to the game so i would say phase 1 for everybody it's just post because if you don't post, you lose. Like you can't make something better if there's nothing you're making, right? So I would I would start the conversation there. And the only goal of phase one is to figure out if you want to be a content creator for the long term, and if you want to be a content creator as a hobby or as a mission. Is this a hobby or is this a mission? And and that's going to change. Because then if you decide it's a hobby, then just keep doing your thing. And then if it's a mission then you need to figure out what that mission is. So for me, what mattered to me the most was not about winning the YouTube algorithm. It was to be the best YouTube channel on the planet on public speaking communication, regardless of my follower account. So that was a decision I made for my content because that's what I wanted. That's why I don't have any YouTube shorts on my channel. And that was intentional, kind of like what Mr. Beast did is because I just want long form that's exceptional content. That's a decision I made as a creator. Whereas somebody else will go like, oh no, I want to be the biggest channel on YouTube. So I'm going to optimize for shorts. I'm going to optimize for the algorithm. I'm going to optimize for hashtags. I'm going to do topics. Whereas for me, what I wanted specifically was to be the number one, not the biggest, but the best YouTube channel in my subject matter, which is public speaking. So I think having clarity around that mission then allows us to figure out the content strategy that maps to that specific vision. So that's what I would encourage people to think about. Start with quantity. And then once you know you want to do this long term, figure out what the mission is. Who do you want to watch this content? What impact do you want to create for those people? And then the third piece is what is the content strategy that will allow you to capture a maximum amount of those people? So for me, as an example here, to make this more granular, more specific, Dilip, the biggest person I care about the most to watch my stuff is the next Elon Musk. And the next Elon Musk is someone who cares about depth. The next Elon Musk wants to listen to a podcast for 60 minutes. The next Elon Musk wants to spend the time reading a book. Those are the people I'm appealing to. I'm not appealing to the person who just wants to listen to 60 seconds of content on TikTok all day. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that's why I'm not focusing on those people. So I think being intentional about who we're trying to serve will then map the right content strategy for that mission. Yeah, great point. I think this is something that is so relevant to some of the social media channels as well, where we have both, you know, short form content in, in like, for example, the Instagram Reels and the Facebook Stories. And there is that slightly longer form of content like the posts. So this this really makes sense for the posting strategy on the social media channels as well. And just, just to be clear, so when we say that we should ideally be focusing on the quantity and not the quality the quality primarily is about the production quality but what we should still focus on is the value or the quality of the content that we are putting out right 
Absolutely. And and the way that I would think about is, and it depends what type of content you're creating as well, but let's say we take educational content. Here's the ethos that I take, Dilip, whenever I'm communicating on a podcast, whenever I'm sharing an idea on a YouTube channel or any other social, is the definition that I got from Chris Doe. And the definition is the definition of value. And he defines value as this, tell me something that I don't already know. So what are you going to tell me that I don't know? So if I tell you, take out your ums and ahs, put pausing, that's good. But a lot of people say that. A lot of people know that. So what are the ideas that I can share as a content creator that nobody else is talking about in my industry? And the best way to do that, Dilip, unfortunately, is to listen to what everyone else is saying. The reason why I know my ideas are so unique is not an accident. It's because I listened to everyone else and I was like, okay, everyone's missing on mission. They're not aligned content strategy. They're missing all of these 17 points. And those are the only 17 points I'm ever going to talk about in a podcast to make sure that I stand out from every other guest that's ever on somebody's show. Right. Identifying the content gap. Amazing. Yeah, true. Nice. So those were some excellent points, Brendan. And, you know, some of the things that we never actually see or we never actually looked into, we never introspected. So those are some of the things that you shared in the episode. I absolutely loved some of the points that you shared because a lot of those relates to me as well, which will surely help me. And I'm sure it will help a lot of the other audience as well. So Thanks a lot for coming on the show, Brendan. The conversation was amazing and I'm sure people will find a lot of value. New podcasters will find a lot of value, both as a content creator and as a as a speaker. So thanks a lot for coming on the show. It was a pleasure talking to you. Pleasure was mine, Dilip. Thanks for your amazing questions. Thanks, man. Uh, talk to you soon. Maybe you know, sometime later we'll catch up again. But thanks once again. You have a good rest of the day. You too, man. You did a great job. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Podcasting University and this conversation with Brendan. If you did, then don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting platforms. We are available on pretty much all podcasting platforms, including the major ones, which are Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon Prime Music, GeoSavan, Spotify, and Ghana. We are also available on Hubhopper. You can subscribe to the show on Hubhopper as well. If you are new to podcasting, then visit the podcastinguniversity.com slash free dash guide and sign up for my 10-day free e-course on how to get started with a podcast. You will find all the information that is required on this e-course there. You will be able to find the show notes and the printable transcript for this show along with some of the resources that we talk about and the resources that I recommend on the podcastinguniversity.com. That is all that I have for this week. I'll be back again the next week with another interesting conversation about podcasts and podcasting. Until then, keep listening to the Podcasting University and you all have a wonderful rest of the week.